arguing with you. Oh, if I could be, hello, check, check. Oh, if I could be uh, just a fly on your shoulder to let you know what you think about that video. Before we get into that, I want to tell you something. My name is Matt Griswold, and I'm the lead pastor here at Connection, and I want to tell you something. You've chosen to sit yourself inside of a church building this morning with a family, not a group, a family of believers, of followers of Jesus Christ, and what you've done is you've placed yourself in that environment. Now watch in the direct middle of a whole lot of things going on. At Connection, it's a very, very exciting time. We had first step last week, and we, did, and we had people, watch this, we had people, and I know we don't deal a lot with numbers, but I just want to let you know of what God is doing here. We don't deal a lot with numbers, and there were several people that didn't get to come because they were out of town. Watch this, you ready? We had 16 new people join Connection. 16. See, God, God is... God is doing stuff. He is moving people. He is taking people from where they used to be. Now, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. But we know where we're going. We're not concerned here. We're definitely concerned about where we're going. And this morning, we're going to talk about a really, really easy word to talk about in our families, to talk about in the lives of teachers or at school, and that word is control. It's really easy to have control, isn't it? Hmm. I couldn't control my excitement the other day when I woke up because I knew what was getting ready to happen and I knew that God was going to do some things today. When I, when I woke up this morning, I, w- I was like, ooh, uh, watch this. And I know, I know that you guys don't do this, but I only hit my snooze button one time. And I wanted to get up today. I could smell coffee that Mary made me the night before and she sat on the timer. And I'm like, oh, she thinks I'm special. And it just, it just filled me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get up and drink some coffee. By the time I get to church, I want people to understand that I'm excited about the things that are going on because there are some things that some of us in our spiritual walk with God have never seen before that are getting ready to happen right in front of your face. We've seen, we've seen people come from the pits of life and they, and they have chosen to take this, this journey with us. I've talked to you a lot about a journey. They've chosen to take that journey with us. And throughout that journey, but you you see, way back here, if we could look at a healthy person, what we would call a healthy person, uh, somebody that's seeking to walk, walk with Jesus, seeking to walk with Him, by Him, living in accordance to what His Bible says, if we look back at some, some part back here, some part, first, second, or third step in their life on this journey of recovery, you know what they did? They gave up all control. Not that they don't try to pick it back up, but they gave away the control. See, you know, with that song, Jesus, take the wheel... And all this stuff, or if, if you're in really good music, you know, Cletus, take the reel. Some of you guys are going to go home and YouTube that, and you'll enjoy it. We see the bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot. Wrong. He's in the wrong seat. In a little while, after I'm done giving this message, and we're going to be in the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 8 this morning, but before we get there on the screen, I want... I want, I want you to think of something. Think of something because we're going to be dealing with a lot of stuff today that's probably going to hit you somewhere right here. It did me. I say, Matt, then if it hits you there and you know it's going to hit us there, why don't, why don't what, you just, just, just don't preach it to us? That's not my job. Control. Lack of control. Control driven. I want you to think about something before we get into talking about that word. In the last week, just, just think through your head. In the last week, what has God given you? Just in the last week. You get to go to work. You get to earn a paycheck and, the, and you get money. Maybe. Maybe you get to stay home with your kids. Maybe you, maybe you work, work two jobs. Maybe you work three jobs. Maybe, you, maybe you're retired. Maybe, what has God done for you? See, this morning, all of you, I know this is going to shock you, all of you woke up. And we have to come to church, an environment, a family, a group of people. What has Jesus done for me? I have been stuck. I played it for, for Lee and, and, and Zach. I don't think they'd ever heard it this morning, but actually we did sound check. I was playing a song, and it's by Charlie Hall, the guy that wrote Marvelous Light, by the way. I got to meet him, and Charlie Hall is this tall. He's like five foot five, okay? But the power and the lyrics that come out of his, you know, Into Marvelous Light, I'm running. He wrote a song 
It's called mystery. Now listen to the first two lines. It's called mystery. Charlie Hall wrote this. says, Sweet Jesus Christ, my sanity. Sweet Jesus Christ, my clarity. Sanity and clarity. Some of us would like to have those two words, wouldn't we? We feel like we're just running this race and we lost all control. At the end of this service today, we're going to take face down. It's an exciting, I told you it's an exciting day. Because if you've never experienced face down, it's the Lord's Supper, communion, we call it face down. Because it means that we, we remember what God has done for us. And today you're going to get a chance to give God control. And some of you already, that's it. You say, oh, no, 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 Mm-mm, scared. No, 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 that prayer's not for me later, Matt. I want you to listen. Listen, Linda, listen. We're going to pray first. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. God, help this, help this scripture, this, this section of scriptures, God, that we study today, impact our life. That, God, we can truly look at who has control, where's the control, and are we giving it up to you? God, challenge us today. Push us out of that comfort zone so we can learn. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever felt like you've lost control of your life? Now, to some people, this is a very, 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 very touchy subject, so I don't, you don't have to say anything out loud, but have you ever felt like you physically have lost control of your life? I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing this. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm not using God, though. I'm trying myself. I've lost control. I can't do it. If we get what they're saying we're supposed to and whether there's going to be people in this county, in this state, that lose control of vehicles, snow and ice, they're going to lose control. If you've, if you've ever been there, you, you realize what it's like to be holding onto the steering wheel and you go around a corner, maybe, maybe not even being silly, but you go around the corner and all of a sudden your tailgate passes you. That's not a great feeling. You, f- you feel like you're, just, you can, you're grabbing at straws and you can't get it. You're grabbing with a rope that's not tied onto anything, aren't you? And the control is just gone. And for some of us, if we don't have our little thing in our hands and we control it like this, it drives us nuts. But that's not what God says we're supposed to do. Number one, it says, cast all your cares upon me because I'm God. Don't worry. Lean not on your own understanding. We could go on and on. There's a lot of stuff that he says, I don't want you to worry about this. I want you to give me the control. Maybe it's the opposite of lost control. Maybe you want all the control. But what does the Bible say? Look at Psalms chapter 8. As you turn there, some of you are going to be thinking this. In a group this size, in the people that come into connection and become our guests and our visitors and part of our family, it is completely okay. If your, if your views of God do not match mine, that's okay. Some of you are sitting there saying, man, you're talking about somebody that you're going to give your whole control of your life over to. I don't want to do that. I don't even know who God is. Listen, I just invite you to listen today. That's it. Listen, Linda, listen. Now to you, some of you, that's, some of you that's comical. Okay? To me, the first time I saw the, the video, it's comical. The next time I saw the video, I have children. <laughs> they get pop pops way before two minutes is over on that one. And I'm not and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that, that I that I'm I'm bad to my kids. I'm saying that they understand that there's a line. Okay? They're okay to ask questions. It's like a referee in volleyball. You ever heard of referee in volleyball? Referee in volleyball before the game will call the captains together and he says you can do three things. But one of the things he says, he says, you can question a call, but you can't argue it. You can question, but you can't argue. See, we see, we see this little child. This, now, this little child is going to grow up and he's going to become a manipulator because he's already a manipulator and he's what, two and a half? Three? He's already a manipulator. And that manipulator is going to know this. He's going to know one thing. If I complain long enough, I'm going to get the control of the situation. If I complain long enough. Now, you know what's sad? When I was watching this video, I become completely emotional with myself. I was watching. I said, man, that kid, that kid just, somebody needs to take care of that. You know what I thought, you know what I thought to myself? God's beginning to speak to me as I'm preparing this lesson. He goes, Matt, sometimes that's you. Come on, God, just listen, just listen, just listen. He goes, will you just be quiet and listen? You know, I'm very thankful that I have a God that gives me a couple chances extra. A couple thousand 
Chances extra. When I said, God, I want the control, and he said, Matt, you do not even understand what you're asking of me. You do not need the control because you can't handle it. With a few good men, you can't handle the truth. Matt, you can't handle this. You can't handle it. That's why I'm me and you're not me. Who is God? What does he want? What does it have anything to do with control? If you have your Bibles, look at look at Psalms. Psalm 8, verses 1 through 5. We're going to be there for a little bit. Now, they should make this a song. Oh, wait, it is. If you look in your, in your Bible, in my, in my Bible, I believe it says, yeah, it says, for the choir director, a psalm of David to be accompanied by a stringed instrument. Sweet. They rocked out with electric guitars in the Bible times. Or acoustic guitars, or harps, or whatever. This was written as a song. Now listen, now listen, you tell me if you've ever heard this before. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the earth. Yes? That's where it comes from. Look. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. I've touched this. I've touched on this before, but every time I touch this in Scripture, when I read it, it just blows my mind. I know my mind's not big. Okay? But it blows my mind because watch, it says, your glory is higher than the heavens. Okay. If you think about heaven, we have gold as the streets. There's a sea made of crystal, and the whole place is perfect, yet we Scripture says that God is elevated above perfection, whatever that means. He's above it. Look, it says your glory is higher than the heavens. Verse 2, look at this. You have taught your children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. This, in a nutshell, is a commandment for all followers of Jesus Christ. When you truly give your life over to Jesus Christ, you say, God, I want to follow you. I want to, I want to do what you want me to do. Do we always do it? No. You're sitting with a group of people. If you're first time to uh, attend to Connection, I, want to, I don't want to scare you, but you're sitting next to a whole bunch of people that don't have it all together. And you know what's the really cool thing about being the pastor of a church like that? They'll tell you. I'm telling you, if it wasn't a brand new CD title, I want a shirt that says, Connection, We Are the Broken. I think it fits. We're broken. We're messed up. But here it says, in verse 2, it gives us the greatest commandment. Other than loving God, loving your neighbor. Listen, look, at, look at this. Look at what it says. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. The experiences that we experience in life have this. If you have gotten into an experience with, with yourself, with this life, and it's, been, it's, it's caused you to get a little dirty, and maybe you don't act the same way that you used to, and it's infectious, and along comes somebody who wants to help you in this life, and they've walked beside you, maybe they go to CR with you, maybe they, maybe they pray for you, maybe they're an accountability partner, and they've sought to walk with you through that problem, and you've given your hope to God, God help me, God please help me, and God has taken you out of that. Listen, if you don't think those experiences are real, I can promise you that they are. You can talk to me, or I can give you people to talk to. Those things happen. You're in a church that decided that we're going to follow God in this relationship because we're going to have stuff that comes up in our life. And we're going to walk beside instead of talk down to people. But it says this, if God has brought you through something, we're supposed to tell. Because when we do, this is what it does. Silencing the enemy. Satan wants to say, you're all alone. You're the only one that's having it. Just get in your closet. Listen, he'll tell you two things. Number one, number one, it can never affect you. It'll never affect you. And number two, after you get caught in that sin, the number two lie that Satan tells you goes, you can never get out of it. It can never affect you and you can never get out of it. They're both hopeless lies. Because I'm proof. And there's some people in this church that are proof because now we get to, now somebody that's, that's, that's better from something, we get to walk back here and practice verse 2 and, and speak into people the truth about God and silence the negativity that they're trying to listen to. And you know that that's true because some of us listen to negativity with ourselves in our mind every day. We don't feel like we have any control. We, don't, we think it's just gone. Look at verse 3. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them Human beings that you should care for them. 
Yet you made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. I love, 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 love winter. I, I know, I know. Listen, there's a couple reasons that I like winter. Yes, I like snow. Matt, are you throwing some kind of snow party at your house this afternoon? No, I hadn't planned on it, but this might be a good idea. Okay? I like snow. I love getting dressed up, going playing in it, going playing it in my big giant sled called my four-wheel drive truck, and I like playing around, and it's fun. Now watch. The other thing that I really, really like about the cold weather is this. If you get a really, really cold night when there's no clouds, have you seen the sky at night now? It just... It's so clear and crisp, and yes, it's cold, but you can see things... I just get, I get blown away. Watch the sun come up this morning and I'm like, wow. When the sun comes up over a field that's been frozen and it just looks like there's billions of diamonds just shine. And God says, I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers. This is, this is a psalmist writing. He goes, God, I just look up and I see what you did. The moon and the stars, you set them in place. God spoke. He spoke. We're talking about having control. This guy has all control. He says, moon, you go there. Okay. I don't think the moon physically talked, but he just went. And he put the stars where they were. Look at verse 4. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that we should care for them. This psalmist is saying, but God, we're so small in this world. Have Have you ever felt small and out of control? Small and out of control. I was hunting in Canada. I'm like five hours going very, very quickly from a hospital. I'm in the middle of nothing. We were hunting 300 square miles of wilderness. There are no roads. It's a four-wheeler trail in and a four-wheeler trail out. And I'm in a tree with a bow, and I'm hunting these little cuddly things called black bears. Now, I found it real quick. How I'm like, ooh, I'm really not big in this world. No, no. And I felt like, ooh, man. But sometimes in life, we feel like that we're up we're up in, in this stand, we're, up in, we're in this car, we have this little bitty stick, and we're trying to fight this big, big giant in our life, and we have no control. But look at verse 5. You go to the next screen, there you go. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. He's talking about us. He's talking about us. Now watch. Jesus came in the form of a human. He showed us the way that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Jesus taught that people, watch, should not seek to be served, but to do what? To serve. Oh, no, no. That's not what this world says. Hey, you know what? Newsflash. That's not what the old earth said either. In the Bible times, it was all about gimme, gimme, gimme. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. We're supposed to serve and not be served. We're supposed to love it. We're supposed to love people even when we aren't aren't loved and treat people good that don't necessarily treat us good. That's something that you want to wake up in the morning and do, isn't it? Oh, man. You know that person really made me mad tomorrow, yesterday at work? I think I'm going to I think I'm going to bring them a cup of coffee today. Not for spite. But it doesn't go through our head. We don't think that, oh, we just don't jump at that opportunity. God's seeking to have a relationship with us. But sometimes we stand in the kitchen of life and we go, God, listen, 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 listen. Some of us keep saying listen. Some of us have said listen for 30 years. Listen, listen, I'm doing this. This is, my, this is my show. And God says, I created you. I breathed life into you in your mother's womb. I breathed into you. I created you. Oh, I spoke all that stuff into existence. The Grand Canyon, the moon, the stars, the sun. But you, but you I formed. But you are special. But all we want to do is say, God, listen, listen, listen. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. See, there's two different views. Different people have different views of who and what God is. Look at your worship handout with me. If you have your worship handout, you flip over to the, to the front section. Look at this. You can fill this in. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this. It says, many people see God as only something or someone that's way out there. Oh, God is not close. He's not, he's not an intimate person. He's just out there. Look at what they think he is. Now, some of you are going to argue some of these points, but please, just, just listen. Listen, listen. People think this. Number one, God is only there to judge me. 
All this bad stuff happens to me. The only thing that God wants to do is judge me. We're not going to get into talking about it, but we understand there's people like that, right? Everything, everybody's against me. Everybody owes me something. God's just up there judging me about what I do. Look at number two. They think that God is full of wrath towards their families. Listen. Tell me. No, don't, you have to tell me. But in your mind, think about this. When's the last time you heard someone complain? My family just can't catch a break. Everything always happens to us. We can't pay a bill. We can't do this. We can't. Everything always happens to us. It's, if we want to go intimate into their life, if we want to go very, very intimate in their life, and we, we would go into those people's lives and say, everything's bad, everything's bad, everything's bad, everything's bad, what I would do is I would look at their heart and check out their motives. Are they honoring God? Are they doing what they're supposed to? Who has control? That's what they think, though. He's full of wrath. Look at number three. He is one who confines their lifestyle and oppresses them. You know why, people, you know why people, some people don't come to Christ and come to follow Him? They think that Jesus, and, and to, coin a, to coin a phrase out of a, a Josh Gentry sermon, that God's a fun sucker. No, no. The only thing He wants to do is just take all the joy out of your life and throw it over here. No, Matt, you can't go hunting anymore. No, Matt, you can't do this that you like. 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 I went through a time in my life where I thought God was a fun sucker. I said, God, you don't want to do anything in my life except ruin every single day. And he looks at me down from heaven and he talks to me through his word, through my prayer life. And he says, if you would give me the control, I will show you a life that has more joy than you ever thought possible. And I said, yeah, right. This is my show. My show. God, you can find me. If I want to do what you want to do, it means that I can't do this or do this or do this. And God wants to come down and He wants to tell me, He says, if you give me control of your life, I will change your heart. Remember, heart in the Bible is our mind. I will change the way that you think. And your loves will match my loves. It's off, when Kurt, Kurt Warner was the quarterback of the St. Louis Rams, when they had the greatest show on turf, early 2000s, and they just beat everybody. Kurt Warner was asked this, because he was very outstanding about being a follower of Christ. He's a Christian. Kurt Warner was asked, you're very outspoken about your faith, but what do you think God thinks about football? This is the greatest, one of the greatest answers I've ever seen in my life. Kurt Warner is standing there in this interview process, and he says, he says, what do I think God says about football? He says, well, I think God loves me, and I use football as a platform because I'm, I'm on television and my other things to tell other people about God. So I think... God loves football because He loves me. It's something that I enjoy. He goes, I think God enjoys seeing me do something that I love. Oh. But a lot of people think, no, He confines my lifestyle. He confines my lifestyle. He, he pushes down on me. Matt, I don't want you to do anything else except what I want to do. Listen, sometimes I need that. I don't know about you because you guys are probably really a lot better people than me. But sometimes I feel like God just wants to go, listen, stop. Does he have to do that sometimes? Stop. I want you to listen to me. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to everyone. God doesn't confine our life. He enhances it. But it takes a different way of thinking. Now, We've looked at something, a way that somebody that does not want to give God the control. We've looked at that. We've, we've seen. They think that God is against them for all, just all the time. Nothing can go right. Unfortunately, followers of Jesus Christ can get caught in this trap just as easy as non-believers. We can start to believe the lies. Now, we're going to take this point of view and we're going to push it to the side and we're going to check out the, the point of view coming from the guy that wrote the psalm. Look at this. Look in your worship handout, the next one. The psalm writer sees God as this, as a great God. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic are you? How big are you? How cool are you? Awesome. Look at, look at number two. He sees as one in relationship with people. Number one, God's a great God. He's not a judge. Number two, 
He seeks relationship. God offers relationships, not wrath. Not wrath. God, God seeks to have a relationship that. We see that the very first human God ever created was Adam. And God did not create Eve instantly when he created Adam. My opinion is this. Through what I've studied of that book and about that situation, what I've, what I've seen is this. God wanted Adam to have a relationship with him so that he understood what a real, true, godly relationship was like so that when God created the woman, Adam could have the relationship with God, but he could also carry that same relationship out with his spouse. See, Adam learned to love God. So he then, after he learned to love God, he learned to love his mate as he loved God. Remember, they're in a perfect place. But number two, he's just one in relationship with people. Number three, as one whose presence is throughout the earth. You've been driving down the road and just and look out the window and go, wow. Wow. I can't, even, even in your own front yard, you know those maple, maple trees that drop all the helicopters? What I see is an appointment with the leaf blower or my mulcher mower. <laughs> now what my girls see, watch, what my girls see is there's like 8 billion helicopters on this tree. And when the wind blows, they all come down and it's the coolest thing in the world. See, they're in awe. His presence is throughout the earth. Number four, he realizes that God thinks about people. The psalmist understands that God thinks about people. God does not confine our life. He enhances it. So, which one are you? Are you the psalm writer? You know what? Here's the deal. When, he, when, when the psalm writer wrote these words, the day before, he could have been like the other one. See, even his life probably wasn't just full of games. Everything, he just skips to work every day. So your life is out of control, maybe. I think there's, there's three steps. We're going to talk about the three steps. We're going to talk about three steps today. But some of you say this. You look at the top of the message map and it says, who's in control? And as soon as you open the yellow piece of paper this morning to the middle page, you thought, I have no idea who's in control. I don't know if my kids are in control. I don't know if my grandkids are in control. I don't know if God's in control or I'm trying to be in control. I don't know. I don't know when the last time somebody had control. I feel like I'm in a tailspin. I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. I don't think that I have a grasp of reality. I don't, I'm just... In, I'm nuts right now. I'm insane. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where these things are going. And it scares us. When we look at the next three words that are going to be on the message map, I want to warn you something. You're going to have to be available, honest, and open to hear them. If you don't, you're going to click the mute button and they're going to be gone. But if you seriously, if you look and say, who's in control? Well, I know that I try to be. I don't know that I'm, I should be. We're going to look at this in just a second. If you have your worship hand out, why don't you look at the first blank. Go ahead and go to the next one. Claim your life for God. Oh, that's easy. I'm yours, God. Mm-hmm. Now, some of us, if you've been a follower for a long time, for several years, or even for the last week, this is what we do. I am yours, God. Okay, I want you to do this. Oh, no, 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 no. See? Isn't that called Indian giving? Remember when you gave something to somebody, it's like, oh, no, I just want that back. You say, God, I'm here. I claim my life for you, God. I want to do what you want me to do. Okay, well, then I want you to clean toilets. Oh, no, 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 I'm out. Mm Mm-mm. We can't say this. Now, we can't say this. I, God, I claim my life for you. You got this. You do it, and I'll hang on. God's not asking, God's not asking for that. If we say, God, you do with me what you want, and you do it, but don't, you know, don't let me do it, you just, do, you just take care of all that. You just take care of all that. I don't need to be in it. God again becomes a genie. God is not a genie. There's no lamp that, that holds my God. You know why? 
Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the holy of holy curtain that contained the holy presence of God, that the high priest would go in one day a year, was torn from the ceiling to the floor. The Scripture says, so no man could have torn it. And it was four inches thick. And God said, oh no, it's finished. My son died. My presence is going to go throughout all of this earth. My God does not exist in a bottle or a lamp. My God does not exist in a bottle or a lamp. And he's not, he's not sitting beside my, my, bed, my bed in the morning and I go, okay, God, what can you get me today? That's not what he's about. Jesus says in the New Testament, he says, listen, guys, he's talking to his disciples, if you want me to do great works in you, you're going to have to die to yourself, Paul says, every day. Scary. It's hard. It is not easy. We must tell God that we seek to serve Him. That we seek to live for Him. Now listen, claiming our life for God is a big deal. Because it... God doesn't forget things. And if you say, God, I want you to use me, guess what He's going to do? He's going to use you if you listen. But oftentimes we say, oh, God, I just give you everything in my life. And he says, okay, then I want to help you with this. Oh, no, no. No, that's mine. Mm-mm. You know what? It better be, maybe, maybe it's this. And we physically, in our mind, we draw this map. Okay, God, you can touch my heart here, 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 and here. These issues I'm be willing to do something with. This over here, no, this is mine. This is mine. You want God to have control, but you still want your hand in the pot. Ooh, that's, my, ooh, that's my favorite one. I like that one. Maybe we hate it. Maybe we hate it, but we've done it for so long that we can't just get rid of it. Have you seen The Lord of the Rings? And you say, man, I've got to watch this, this movie. The biblical, the biblical references in it are, are amazing. Because I said, there's this, there's this one thing that you want to hate on to, hang on to, but maybe you even hate it. Gollum hates the ring, but he loves the ring, and he can't get rid of the ring. He can't give it away. And then when it goes away from him, he has to go find it. God says, I want you to claim your life for me. We're past the the first hard word. The next one gets easier. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't. Check out the next one. Dedicate your life to God. I told you at the beginning of the sermon that I was excited about you being here. And there were people that showed up before, some of you did, that were really excited about you showing up because they were cleaning, and they were vacuuming, and they were making popcorn, and they were making coffee, and they cleaned the bathroom. So when you walked into the bathroom, like I did earlier, the bathrooms smell great. They smell new. And you'll appreciate that if you're like me and you teach at a grade school. I'm not saying anything bad about our janitors. I'm saying, listen, a clean bathroom is cool to go into because it smells good. Somebody sacrificed their time. Now watch, they've dedicated their time. Some people once a month serve on a team, they give their time. These people do this because they know what God can do. I I would take a stab and say this. If we could talk to all the people out of all the crews that help clean this church, and we ask them one question. What has God done or how has God changed your life? You know what I bet? I bet they could all answer at least one thing. I know some people that could talk for an afternoon. I'm not the same person that I used to be. I give because God gave me. I love because God loved me. I had a a person that was a member of this church come up to me and say, Matt, I'm so thankful for connection. And I said, well, to that person, I said, I'm so glad that you're here. And he began to cry. And he said, for 50 years, I sat in, in a Sunday school class and I was probably the coldest Christian the coldest follower of Christ you would ever talk to I was cold I sat there I drank coffee I didn't say anything else or or I just said something to people that I wanted to say something to and I didn't think that I existed for even a real purpose in this life because I believed the lies I believed Satan's lies I knew I was a believer but I believed those lies so much that I I became hard even towards fellow members of my own Sunday school class And then he read a book for the second time. Not the first time, because the first time he didn't really read it. The second time he really read it, he, he, he really read Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life, and God changed 
his life. Literally. And he went from being the cold person to the person, now watch this, the last, the last five years of his life, he dedicated to God and he gave everything that he had from himself away. And you know who he is if you've been around Connection for a while. He gave everything he had every single Sunday to every single person that walked through that door. He dedicated his life. They have seen, those people have seen God work in their life and they seek to pass this love on. Can you pop popcorn for God? Absolutely. Come talk to me, I'll hook you up. I'll get you on a crew. Can you clean toilets for God? Yeah, come talk to me. I can get you, get you an appointment with, with First Impression to help you do that. Can we teach babies or hold babies for God? Yeah, absolutely. I can get you in touch with that person. Look at the next screen. Look at this. Speaking of Kurt Warner and football, watch this one. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Now, you've heard me say this a lot. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. Can you go to Kentucky Lake on vacation for God? Amen. I want to volunteer. Year-round, I'll go. I love Kentucky Lake. Whether you go out to a restaurant. Some of you probably went out to eat yesterday for Valentine's Day. You can go out to eat for God. This is how we often do it. Mary and I will be at a restaurant. A lady will come up or a guy will come up and I'll ask him. They'll serve us. I say, hey, I don't do this every time. I say, hey, is there anything that we can pray about with you? We're going to pray for our meal. Is there anything we can pray? You know about 90% of the time they think it's something? Even if they don't go to church. Whatever you do, you can do it all for the glory of God. Look at verse 32. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. Look at verse 33. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they may be saved. It's coming out of Paul's mouth to the church in Corinth. He says, listen, listen, I want you to do. I want you to do what I do. I don't just do what I want to do. I have to ask. I have to ask. I've dedicated, Paul says, I've dedicated my life. I've claimed my life for God. Can you imagine talking with Paul in a sit-down conversation? Paul, what has God done in your life? Um, okay, started a cold day in January way back when I used to kill Christians. I'm dead serious. Paul's name used to be Saul. He would kill Christians. He was, on, he was walking on a road one day. God made a huge light shine down. And he talked with Paul. He said, why do you persecute me? A complete 180 of a life. A complete 180 of a life. Is Paul. And he's writing this thing. I do what is best for others so they may be saved. I give everything I have so that others can see. In a little bit, you're going to see people come up here and they're going to hold bread and they're going to hold a cup of juice. Can he serve communion for God? Yeah. And he gives you a real intimate time with those people coming up. Because it's a real important time for a follower of Christ because we remember what God has done with our life. So we claim our, God, our life for God. We dedicate our life for God. But there's one more thing. Look at your worship handout. Commit yourself to excellence in your life. Some of you in your mind right now are thinking this. Oh, sweet. Thank goodness. Matt said, I have to be excellent. Look, see, he said, excellent. I'm not excellent, so let this not talk. You're not talking to me. Matt said, I should be excellent, so that cancels me out. I thought Matt was actually talking to me today, but this just kind of cancels it out. I am talking to you today. I said this earlier. I often talk with pastor friends or youth minister friends of mine and they say, how's your church going? Every single time I talk to them, I said, do you have any idea what it's like to go preach in front of a group of people, lead a Bible study in front of a group of people, hang out with a group of people, or do anything with a group of people that I have a connection and they will, are willing to do this? To mostly, mostly all of us are open to others that we don't have it all together. Do you know what that's like? 
You know what I get from my friends? No. One of my friends just this week said, I, ha- I preach to a group of people that come in like they have it all together. Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm glad that we're open about that we don't have it all together. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We commit ourselves to excellence means this. When you commit yourself to excellence in your life, you say, God, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to commit myself, I'm going to dedicate myself, I'm going to claim my life, I'm going to give everything I have. You're giving yourself a chance. You can't finish the race if you don't start it. You're giving yourself a chance. You go to connect group, you go to worship service on a regular basis. You get on a teaching or a cleaning team. You attend church regularly. You have people in your house. At Connection, you're seated around a group of people today that seek to live their life together. Seek to live their life together. The people that come over to our house on Monday nights, the people that I get to lead on Wednesday night, they are physically, emotionally, and spiritually closer than some of my own family. They're closer to me than some of my own family. Some of you are going to go, wow, that's weird. I don't even know how you're saying that. My family is really close. I'm going to tell you something. I have a really close family. And I'm telling you right now that I have lived, I have bled, I have sweated, I have cried with some of those people, and I am physically closer to them. When you live life with other broken people, you're there for them and they're there for you too. Isn't that awesome? Now some of us, some of us don't, haven't taken that I'm broken step yet. Now that, that will be the first case scenario. You don't have it all together. If you tell yourself you have it all together, that's called denial. It's not a river in Egypt. That's a, that's, a connect, that's, a, that's a CR joke. Everybody is just, unless you, unless you do that, you're just denying yourself that you have any stuff. And if you're, if you're living in the denial, the claiming, the dedicating, and the committing, it doesn't happen. Because you're saying, no, 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 God, I got this, I got this, I got this. And some of us have been saying, God, listen, 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 listen. It's not Linda, it's God. Listen, I got this. Leave me alone. When God, all God's saying is, says, I want you to claim your life, I want you to dedicate your life, and I want you to give me your life. I want, to give me, I want you to give me everything you can. I get to share this with This is just how cool God is. I got to share this little phrase with someone within the last two weeks. And they, and they mentioned something. Our conversation was going to something about Christianity, about being a follower of Christ, what it meant. And I said, you know, one of the simplest versions that I've ever heard that completely talks about the entire New Testament in this, in this couple line phrase, it says this, Christianity is simply one beggar trying to help another beggar find food. Think about that today. Christianity, following Jesus is simply one beggar trying to help another beggar find food. Because you could take the greatest Christian in this room, and I'm not getting in that line. You could take the greatest Christian in this room, and they are simply, even with their best stuff, Paul says, with our best stuff that we offer, they're dirty rags for God. They're dirty rags. Because our relationship does not depend on ourselves; It depends on Jesus being the go-between between us and God. So you can take the best Christian in the world and it's still dirty rags. So if we look at it all together and we realize that we're all broken, we're simply one beggar that understands, watch this, understands where to go get the food. So we go to this other beggar and say, hey, listen, I found this hope in my life. I've gotten over this in my life. You should come check this out. And you go. It works, it works this way in nature. Watch this. If you don't think I'm true, I want you to go home in the middle of July. August, June, something that's really hot. I want you to do this. I want you to take a fresh, ripe cantaloupe and you cut it in half. I want you to sit on a picnic table outside. And I want you to time how long it takes for one ant to get to it and then how long it takes for a thousand to get to it. Because you know as well as I do, the one finds it, goes back, tells the others, and what do they do? They go. Christianity is to be the same way. Guys, I found this, I found this cantaloupe. Wow, it's this big. We've got to go. 
A Christian walk beside somebody else and say, listen, I found hope. I found hope. Yeah, you remember my life the way it used to be. Yeah. Look at Psalms 8, 5 again. Look at this. One more time. This, this one. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Some of us don't want to give control to God because we think this about ourselves. We don't think we're worth even giving up control. You think this. You think these words in your head. Things like useless, helpless. I can't do anything on my own. I'm inadequate to do any job for God. Let me tell you something. You're also sitting in a group of people, a family of believers that say this. You are special. And God says you're special. I'll never forget that as long as I live. My dad holding my two daughters up. As <laughs> soon as they could utter words, you're special. You're special. And he would tell them, he said, you are special to me. But girls, I can't tell you how much God loves you and how special you are to him. If you haven't heard that in a while, I want to tell you that you're special. God asks these things from us. He says, I want you to claim your life. I want you to dedicate your life. I want you to commit your life. When you do this, look at this. Look at this. God gives us another promise. He says, and if you do this, you can get out of this mud hole that you're in. Oh, Matt, that's just words on the page. Look at the next verse. I can do all things by myself. Not what it says. I can do all things whenever I feel like doing it myself. No. God says this. Paul writes this in, in Philippians. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things. I, know, I personally know people that have been through struggles that have cost other people those same struggles have cost other people their life. But God chose to have someone get out of their comfort zone that committed their life to come and walk beside that person. Say, no, listen, listen. When you give God control, He can help you. And they walk with that person, and that person is on a healthy road. Healthy. When is the last time? When is the last time that you thought about your life spiritually being healthy? For some of us, it's been last week. Some of us may have been yesterday or this morning. For some of us, some of us it may have been 30 years ago. Man, I was on. I was, you think back. Man, I was on such a good, a, such a good level with God at that in my life. God says, "I want that back. I want to have control." When you say this verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't control my life. Listen, I can't control my life. When I do, good things don't happen. Am I right? When I do what I want to do, it's not good. I need help. This morning I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads with me and I'm going to ask you to, in your own words, this is the cool thing about our God that we serve. Because here's the deal. Even if you're in a group message, it's really hard to talk back to everybody on a text message. But my God that's in heaven, He can listen to all of us at the same time with everything and all understanding. So in a little bit, I'm going to have us, I'm going to have us bow our heads and the only thing that we're going to do is this. We're going to do this. I'm going to ask you to do something extraordinary. I'm going to ask you to do something that is like over there to some of us in our comfort zone. It's like over by the door. I'm going to ask you to start this process. I'm going to ask you to say, God, you can have my life. Listen, listen. It's scary. God, I want to dedicate my life. I want to give what I have. I want to commit my life. When my wife and I chose to come down here after the 27th of September, when we called Mike back that next day or the day after, I said, Mary, we're going to a place we may never leave. And I thought I was saying some kind of just really deep thinking. And she looks at me and she goes, I know. You give your life. There are people in this church that have given their whole lives everything they have so that we can learn how to relate to others and we can give them hope. Because our job is to give others hope. Oh, 
You, Matt, you have such good control of your life. No, I don't. I don't have control of my life. I've given that away. That scares us. Listen, we want to hold it. In a second, I'm going to pray. And when I do, those people that are coming to serve face down, whenever I begin to pray, they're going to come here. There's going to be one group here. There's going to be one group here. There's going to be one group in the back. We're going to play a video called Inheritance. And I'm telling you, if you like, if you like visual stuff, if you like words that are just power, I want you to, I want you to listen to this. God loves us exactly where we are. He loves you exactly where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you there. And for some of us, we've been spinning our wheels for too long. We got the control. We have the control. I'm keeping the control. No, God says, I can do so much for you if you give this, give this to me. Let's just pray. Bow your heads where you are. As I pray, you just tell God, you, you just tell God, if you're serious about claiming, about dedicating and committing your life to honor God, to be under His control, I just want you to pray just with me. In your own words, God can decipher what you mean. God, I do not have it all together. I am a mess. God, I don't even know who has control in my life right now. It's like I'm this little kid arguing with you in the kitchen in my spiritual life. I just say, God, God, I got this, I got this, I got this. When God, you understand and you know that I really, really don't. So this morning, God, I ask that you let me claim my life for you. God, that I begin to try to live for you. God, that I dedicate my life, that I step out. God, I begin to serve. I begin to, I begin to seek opportunities to show your love because you love me. I get to love others. And God, that hard, hard word that our world has such a problem with. God, let me commit myself. You're no longer, God, going to take a second place or a third place. God, I want you to be the priority in my life. I want to have, have you have control of my life. And God, I just ask before we take this precious, precious Lord's Supper. God, a supper that was prepared by your Son on earth with the disciples. That God, as we do this, we do remember what you've done for us. God, that we remember that because your Son has given us, our inheritance is unbelievable. And although we don't know all, we don't know the whys. We don't know, we don't know God, why you did everything. We can't explain that. But God, our inheritance is to be with you forever. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're a follower of